Hey everybody, welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. And I'm Tevi Hirshhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. All righty. Well, thank you for joining us, Peck and Scott. We're kicking off a new round of podcast episodes where, where, with learning and development is our new focus. Thank you for joining us, Peck. It's you know funny, you and I go back, it must be about maybe 12 years or so when we first met, we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours. He was taking wushu with you back in Chicago. So it's nice to reconnect and, and talk to you again. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me, Scott and Tevi. I, and I appreciate you taking the evening to do this. Yeah. First of all, uh, thank you for uh, doing this interview with me and having me on the show. I really appreciate that and feel very honored that you love to learn from me. Yeah, so Impeccable, we've actually always been remote. I took maybe some of the, being from Chicago, uh, a lot of the 37 Signals ethos rubbed off on me. And uh, we've always been finding talent wherever they were versus, especially when Impeccable started, we were in the Bay Area as a small agency at the time. It was uh, not financially possible to always hire local uh, Bay Area people when you're going up against really heavily funded startups and, and big companies. So we always were remote by necessity. We had a small office in the Bay Area, but but yeah, we were remote from the beginning. Could you tell us a bit about the agency and what kind of work you do? Sure. Uh, so Impeccable, we're design product studio. We help enterprises and funded startups who need product strategy, design, and the implementation help. So everything from UX design system. For some big enterprises, we essentially are their outsourced design department. Uh, I'm working cross-functionally across multiple. So diving in, we'll dive into to the questions. I think one of the key aspects of design is is the learning opportunity. It's speaking with users, understanding you know, what they're trying to achieve, why they're trying to do it, why to it, trying to achieve it. And it's really, I think, the ethos, and again, no, feel free to chime in from your perspective, of learning really being at a core of design. So on a grander scheme for a remote startup or for your own company, you know, why do you feel that learning and development is, is so important and a crux of successful companies? Well, yeah, just as a small uh, business owner, CEO, I never went to, I never had an MBA or any formal learning or training in terms of how to be a leader. Even in just my own journey, I've had to learn and develop and level up myself. Learning and development is important in terms of the work that we do, because as you Point, pointed out, we, we have to understand the, the user needs, the business needs. It always starts with a conversation and learning, whether it's the pain points, what they're trying to achieve, business goals. So learning is just part of doing business. In terms of learning, why learning and development is important in terms of our people, it's one for selfish reasons as business owners think level up leveling up people is important because you're building a stronger company. You can always hire more experienced people, but then I think people who are already in the company might feel not so great if you're always hiring in. Also, it's great for retention because you, if they can't grow as you, you grow, people leave or if you don't feel like, if they don't feel like they have a path to grow or a career or a track, and you're not really thinking about their 
personal development or career development, they'll also find companies that, that will. In the beginning, I would say in the early days of Impeccable, it was all just about survival, right? Just making just enough money to, to, to get to the next paycheck. And development was just on the job work. But as we've grown, we thought a lot more consciously about job titles and, and what the career path at, at a company like ours is as we're going into our 10th year. And then wow. finally, I also think about development as the development of relationships within the company, especially in a remote environment, because in a sort of normal office setting, there are lots of opportunities to bond where you might like in the cafeteria, kind of water coolers, regular maybe activities together. Even at Impeccable, when we had a an office, we, we had sort of two cultures. We had a small office in the Bay Area, and then most of the company was remote. And I always thought that we had two cultures. One was the in-office culture where, you know, maybe on a, maybe once a week or every couple of weeks, we'd go out to lunch together. If there was a cool movie, we might take the team out to a movie. But then the people who were remote couldn't really participate. And I always thought that that was not a great experience for people who were remote, which we try to make up for by having, like, we'd fly the team in a couple times a year. And then, of course, what I do is I try to make up for lost time sometimes as a leader and try to spend as much time with them as possible. And we were, you know, carve out that time and, and I don't really focus on client work, but really focus on the time developing relationships with, with people, you know, the, the, the development part. Not a conversation for today, but I think you, you've raised my point of why I, I believe hybrid remote is pretty much doomed. It's that piece of engagement. Exactly. You said you had some people in the office and like once a week or once every two weeks or whatever it was, the team went out to eat. The team may have gone out for beers and you have that even opportunity for grassroots just to be able to do things together because you're in the same place. And when you have somebody that's not there, how do you do the same thing? But again, I can tail off this into a whole nother podcast, but I won't. Tevi, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I think that's, it's like innately a compromise. So it hurts both sides of the fence and it's not going to, it's not going to work unless it's done really intentionally and and with very specific clear rules but i don't see i don't see how it'll be successful but apple's giving it a try we'll see so i like how you mentioned development as bringing the team together and how that's difficult in a remote environment how else might learning and development be different in a remote environment and what else do you do to accommodate well some things are still the same learning learning uh, some people learn best there's there's different learning styles some people learn best with hands-on learning some people unless you carve out time for it and space in a different environment so for example like hands-on learning might mean we put you on a project that you're not the lead but you're kind of essentially the apprenticing in, in as whether you're just even if you're senior you might not know the impeccable way so we, you, we might put you on an existing project where you're helping out, but you're learning the ropes of doing, working the impeccable way. Other people, I think they, they like focus time and space. So for, for example, some people conferences tend to be a good place to learn better because it's not, they can carve out the time for it and, and they, it's a different mindset. And then. For our exec and management team, we have we we spend the time and money to develop them as leaders. So we we have leadership coaching for that. So some of that, I think, is mostly the same whether it's remote or. Not. But in terms of the remote aspects, of course, especially being a distributed team, fairly distributed in the U.S. and then with parts of it all over the world. Asynchronous, you have to think of asynchronous 
have an asynchronous mindset because otherwise you're making everybody suffer. There's a lot of documentation, there's a lot of video, like videos like Loom or recorded Zoom calls. So th those are the, th I think, you, you said a word, right, compromise, right? Like trying to, in a non-COVID world where everybody was in a, the same office, you might just do in-person training and hands-on training for certain things, but it's, it's a little harder to do. So this is the remote part. You just have to adjust and, and to figure out what's best for remote. Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys do it at Envision? Sure. It was definitely a good question. I, for the time at Envision, I think we put an effort probably to last maybe three years into it. And I think we've tried a lot of, it was mostly online platforms like Linda and LinkedIn Learning. We may have had like an internal system that did the same. But it was also very, I think, focused on hard skills, on upskilling your current role. Within LinkedIn Learning, obviously, you had the opportunity to pretty much learn anything that was available. But I think it was obviously the early days and they were trying to get things up and running and fine-tuning. And now that Tevi's there, Tevi could probably give a better picture of, of what uh, has been going on there the last year. Tevi. So it might be a little bit different this time around because they've had to do some virtual meetings instead of the IRL in real life meeting. The product team also gets together once a year in addition to the company-wide things, so we weren't able to do that yet. And I've been there less than a year, so I can't really speak to outside of COVID. That said, I am probably unique. I'm, I'm not one that, that likes the, the paper or the certific certification for whatever it is that I'm learning, and I prefer to just read. I, I read voraciously, and every job I get, I say, how many books can I get a month with this job? And that I've read all of these except for the middle one on the bottom shelf, the Laws of Human Nature. I'm in the middle of reading that one. So I just, I read a lot, and that's my own personal style. And then I tinker after I've read. I, I try to come up with something to then put that in, into learning. And and maybe that's something that should be considered you know, when you're running a company or trying to build the culture of your company is that not everybody learns the same way, and you should try to find out how do... How does this new hire learn and how can we accommodate them? And maybe from a culture perspective, you don't want to have a uniquely tailored experience. Maybe you want to have people that that learn this way of learning, which is a very like Apple or, or Pixar way of doing things. Yeah, there's a different approaches, right? One is maybe find the type of people who are a bit more maybe, yeah, homogenous in the way they learn and then just apply the one learning method I think for us, we, we appreciate diversity and celebrate it. So therefore we, and we're not so big at a scale of a Google or Apple that we just have to mass produce learning. So right now it's yet. pretty tailored and, and we, we yet, yet. Impeccable, I, I don't know if we want to grow to thousands of employees as an agent, but we do, I do see growing, but not necessarily to, the, to like an Accenture or a big hundred, several hundred people size. But that said, so we, I think understanding the types of ways people absorb information and learn best and adapt that way is our, our current approach. And we do that through some assessment tests too, to learn. I myself, as someone who's has ongoing executive coaching. I've taken several tests to assess who I am, the type of leader I am, uh, and, and where I'm weak at, where I'm strong at. Same thing, we've done that with employees to assess um, what kind of person they are in terms of, are they more direct? Are they more community-oriented, social, and therefore, and, and how they learn, so then we can adapt to them. Kind of chime in. I, I also a big believer in the idea of, of mixing things up. Even when someone likes a specific format, I know on, on the previous episode that we just published today and brought up the example and we'll highlight it and we won't go into the details, but 
a few of our our kids are in the same school, Tevi and I. And his daughter, during the lockdowns, had a different, very interesting approach where they mixed up, you know, maybe two hours of like a live Zoom class where the teacher was doing you no know, teacher to student, uh, and then there was broken down to some courses. Maybe a group of kids got together, two, three, four, five, and can learn in the smaller group, and then maybe one on one, and then also had some kind of async type of learning where the teacher will record record something and the kids can watch it on their own time. I definitely think this is an important thing to do as well within companies that even someone that may like the certification course or somebody may like reading, do you really want to be sitting around for six hours reading something? You know, if it's online documentation or a book, to me that maybe it's just boring and maybe just my personality is I don't like mundane and maybe it's an ADHD or something like that. I need some kind of constant change, but at least having those different opportunities. Okay, you know, now we're going to do, you know, just read on your own a book or a chapter or something like that. And then, okay, have a a group setting, have four or five people talk about what you learn, have use cases, scenarios back and forth, but try to you know, mix the different ways of learning together to really keep it more engaging. And I, I enjoyed clearing my day and going to the beach and just having an enormous iced coffee and just sitting there reading for hours. Like that to me is like, I, I relish that. So no problem with that. Yeah. I have not had success. Like we, we tried book clubs. I, I think it faltered and we stopped. Like I, I know some companies have, have su- had success doing book clubs and, and then talking about those books. What has worked at Envision? I actually tried to start a book club here at Envision work. and it, it did not take off. I think it got difficult to get people to agree on which book to read. And then if it was like, all right, there's going to be one moderator or a limited choice to vote on. I tried a few different ways and people just didn't participate. I think getting the book and then being prepared was just like too much work on top of work. So it didn't take. The the book club format that I had the most success with, and it's not necessarily in envision, but other places. I mentored that was that book report method. So each month you do a book, a, a, a specific topic. So one could be leadership, another month could be design, another leadership, whatever it may be on a different month to month basis. And each person got to choose their own book. So it wasn't everyone was reading the same exact book about leadership or, or creativity or things like that, but you got to choose the book of your choice with, within that topic. And then once a month we came together and everyone gave a five minute book report to give over those highlights of, you know, here are the important things, here's the things that I took out of this book and having that opportunity, you know, for yourself, getting different aspects and the insights you're getting for about leadership or design from five, six, seven, eight different people and the different books that you're there. That's the format that I've had the most success with. I know obviously getting people, I think if you do it more frequently, that probably puts a little bit too much pressure on someone to have to read a certain amount of book. And again, it's the same book. And whether you have the same feeling or thoughts as somebody else versus giving more of a kind of a longer term amount of time, which they obviously in theory don't need to read the whole book, but hopefully they've gone over enough to be able to pick out uh, you know, two, three things that they can speak about uh, in five minutes. But that's, yeah, that's the format that I've had the best luck with to date. Yeah, it customizes it, makes people feel like they, they can choose. And then there's, you know, the book report it creates accountability. I've actually been reading a little bit about habit formation and, and what, 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 in, in trying to develop my own personal better habits. So I think like most entrepreneurs, we tend to work too much and neglect other aspects of life. So in, in terms of trying to develop new healthy habits, one, one framework was these three E's of one is there's the ease, enjoyment, and environment. Ease is making it easy to, to take on that habit. So whether it's, if it's running, maybe it's like putting the shoes right in front of the door or stuff within reach enjoyment so for some people for example going to the gym might be a chore right it's not that interesting to to go hop on a treadmill but hey if you like the outdoors maybe running 
outside or if you enjoy community, maybe a class might be better than trying to do it alone. And then environment, is the environment conducive? If you're trying to meditate, but you're, where you're at is super loud, maybe that's not conducive. Making the environment conducive to whatever habit you're trying to form. Yeah, that's something more on a personal level that I'm trying to apply to myself and figure like, how do I make, add, make sure whatever habit I'm trying to there's those three E's are, are considered so that the habit sticks or it's easier to adopt. I like that. I think similar to, to general topic of remote work, obviously focused here on learning development, remote learning and development have, have its drawbacks and benefits. You've highlighted on a couple of those uh, speaking before, but maybe if you want to, um, isolate a few of those things that you think are the real benefits of being able to learn remotely and obviously on the other side, what are maybe some of the drawbacks of doing it? Yeah. So some of the benefits, let's see, excuse me while I look at my notes real quick. It's one, it's, it's, you're not constrained by location because uh, I think where there's two things going on right now, right? One is this remote thing. And then two is the, the big elephant in the room, which is COVID. It's not just remote, but it's also COVID time for people who are taking the shelter in place seriously. It's not just remote work. It's, it's real life circumstances are different and you might even if you're, it's not just remote, right? If you have normally, you'd still have a community, you'd still go out, you'd still meet some folks, you might still get together even in a remote base. Even now though, with COVID, even remote folks, like normally there's lots of opportunities for a remote team to get together, especially in an agency context. So like we might kick off a project where people would fly in and to the client site and kick it off. They might get together physically at certain conferences. So if we send a few f folks from our design team to a design conference or some engineers to a Twilio conference or a Stripe conference, like all of those opportunities are, are gone for because of COVID, not necessarily because of remote. We've had to adapt. And in terms of some of the things that we think about now is, yeah, it's gotta be asynchronous first. There's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of recording. There's a lot of confluences and playbooks. And we use Google slides. We use a combination of all these things. We, we present remotely. We record it for people whose time zone is not appropriate, convenient, and they can watch it asynchronously. Whether people do, that's a big question mark. Whether they absorb it the same is a question. I think the drawbacks is making sure that it's, it's engaging. It can be, it can feel a lot of times like this, where it's just some one person, a talking head and they're just spewing information. What we try to do is inject some questions. I know one of our team members, she's really good about teaching, but also sprinkling questions like little quizzes at, in, in the middle throughout to make sure that people were paying attention. And there's like online quiz tools. I forget which one she uses a lot, but basically it's just, you go to a URL and it's a question and, and when you answer, you see everybody's answers. So that's really good. You can get a sense of, oh, okay. 80% of the team was paying attention. <laughs> I got it something, something like that. So engaged engagement is really important. I think you have to be, when you're in person, you can read cues from people much easier. And when you're not, you have to pay attention to the video so much more. And it, it's really easy to not be and just spew the information. So I think what's, what becomes important is observing cues from our, our people making sure that people turn on video, having, I think having a remote culture where video is off 
I don't know, you may have an opinion about this, but it's really hard. <laughs> one of our clients, uh, I, I, one of our big clients, like they, they had a very video off culture versus us. We were always a video on, even when they're video off, because we want them to see us, that we're paying attention, we're there for them. But yeah, I think it's really hard when you have a video off because you have no idea what they could be doing and multitasking or whatever. So for our team, we encourage that a lot, unless you're for whatever reason that day, maybe internet is slow, or maybe you're you had to park at an internet cafe, and it's it's just not conducive, or you're you're, you're traveling. But other than that, we try to have video. What a yeah, love to hand it over to you. And I saw that you were nodding and and thinking about some stuff to say. Yeah, I think Scott and I both have very strong opinions about video on. I agree. It, it like creates such a disconnect when you're trying to talk to someone. Like, are they looking at me? Are they listening? What's going on there? I've got kids, and if I talk to them, they might be bouncing a ball or, or doing something completely unrelated to our conversation, and, and you're not quite sure if they're listening at times. I think that's what video off is like. So 100%, you want to make a good emotional connection and, and show your coworker, your peer, your customer that you're listening and you're in, you're involved and participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to chime off that, also a very big believer in video because in theory, what are you really trying to do? You're trying to mimic that in real life experience closer as close as you can get. That's why I'm personally not a fan of these audio only tools. I know there's quite a few of them on the remote side or just audio. I know I think we spoke about this in a previous episode. I think it's nice for just leaving a kind of quick note that may not need any response or any kind of thing like that. But when you're really trying to do any sort of engagement or really have any type of conversation, I think you need video because again, you need to see the person's face, you need to see the mannerisms, the, just the, the, the voice and the face, the, the combination I think is crucially important. But I think another benefit that's something that you highlighted a couple of times is the opportunity for async. Really having that opportunity to learn when it's most convenient for you potentially moving away from those days of, okay, you went to a conference center, you know, you spent three days there at a hotel and you're learning for eight hours a day, you know, straight through versus much more. Okay. I can spend you know, two hours in the morning learning here. And then maybe in the afternoon I can get about half an hour in and then my kids go to sleep and I can do a little bit then. I think really having that opportunity for async to me is I think one of the top benefits of learning remotely. It's really focused around you. Obviously it's communication. It's not, I have to, block out this time, I have to schedule, it has to align perfectly, but it's really more about you and the convenience of when it's good for you, which obviously allows you to hopefully soak up the information uh, a little bit better and more successful and be able to put more attention and focus onto it. So I definitely agree with that as being one of the biggest benefits on the remote learning and development. Yeah, I think one of the main benefits of remote period, whether it's learning, is that it is maybe more conducive to, especially if you handle remote in a certain way. One of the ways we were able to attract a, an executive to our team was because they came from a, a funded startup, but that funded startup had a very in-person culture where he had a commute and he was never able to spend much time with the kids, his kids, because the commute was long and they expected him butts in seats nine to five and uh, it just didn't work for him so he was able to for for me i said it's a remote culture everybody's in a different time zone as long as there's a majority overlap i really don't care so go have go drop the kids at school go pick you can have that here this was pre-COVID, right? When before every everybody, this is a great equalizer. Now every company can say this, but I think before that, we that one of our advantages was, hey, you can have that, and and you can have those moments, and then and also you you mentioned something when it's convenient for you, but also I think people have different rhythms, right? Some people are more night owls, so they're more awake or they're more open at certain times, like me, I'm not a morning person trying to do something really important. The first thing before I had my coffee, this is just a, 
bad recipe for bad decision making, right? So, you know, trying to force people on a clock that maybe is not their is also like a maybe an era an, an industrial era thing notion when people had to show up to a factory at a certain time and, and do this and that. Where I think now we, we can work towards customizing it to how when it's best for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point, Peck. I don't know if I've ever discussed it on Absolutely. And and you might be interrupted in an office environment because people like me like to walk around and tap you on the shoulder, say hi and catch up with you and, and you may not have any of that quiet time to, to get your creative on the podcast here, but I, I like to structure my day around my energy, like my actual energy level, and I do certain kinds of work better at different times of day. So my evening hours are like my go get it done, crush it, talk to people, get notes, and do it. But my morning, like after the kids are in school and I've got the whole house to myself and it's quiet, I like to be like thoughtful and creative and, and reflective, and that's like when I do more of my, my creative work. And that's not a chance you get in a regular office environment to structure your day around the way you perform best. Yeah. So you touched on different ways that you do learning and development with your team. You have executive coaching and leadership and upskilling training. What's the right way to structure learning and development with your employees for their career, for their job and personal life? You know, I, I don't know if we know what the right way is because, um, frankly, I'm learning on the job to do this. We, as I mentioned, we we do have, we're paying for learning. We think about learning. We ask, what would you like to learn? We, we have flexibility there in terms of some people. I was like, hey, they want to get into marketing. Okay, why don't we? You work with our marketer, right? Like this is not a on rails. Oh, you're we're a small company. We need lots of help. So if you want to learn marketing, great on you. Like, what? There's no end of things to do at this small company. So if you want to uh, stretch and learn more, that's just better for us. So we give we have those opportunities where where people can have hands on do hands on learning and get involved in other aspects of the company. There's the, the coach. There's our, our career development matrix where people do know, hey, to get to the next level in their career, these are the skills that we look for. And their uh, manager, their direct manager can work with them on, on developing those skills or being aware that they want to have this career path they want to go deeper into design or they want to have a more of a management. So depending on the project, we can also help steer that. Let's see. There's a lot of one-on-ones. There's a lot of notes. There's a lot of action items to come out of notes. When people say things, it's, it's about paying attention to what they want to get in terms of the career. I think with people, you it's a competitive field, especially now, I think, where lots, everybody's gone remote. I think it's, it's even more competitive for smaller companies like us. So if you're not caring about your employees' career development, I think you, you run the risk of losing. Is there like a space? Oh, sorry about that, Scott. Go, Go ahead. No, 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 you, you. <laughs> Sorry, I think it's like a delay on the internet here, so I apologize for interrupting. Is there a space, do you think, for like a line where you say an employee should be focusing on learning to do better at their job or specific to the way it relates to the company? Or is there space for going outside those bounds, maybe more on a personal track or something that's professional but not necessarily related to their role at the company, side projects and things? Depending on the company, there's, especially for ours, there's always opportunity to develop, you know, as long as it's work related, right? If you say you want to learn the ukulele, I don't know if I can help you there, but if you're a designer who wants to do more 
marketing if you're an engineer like we we have one of our engineers they came from a pretty good company they know we know the product and stuff but he was always told to keep in his lane hey be a good engineer don't <laughs> and he always felt like he lacked business skills and uh, here we try to involve him in bd calls business development calls and and say have him help out as a sales engineer so you always try to find opportunities to align our goals with the goals the personal goals of the individual as well and that really you can only do that if you have a caring manager who's aware of the needs and wants of these people and i think what what's that saying people don't leave the job they leave the manager and it's not just a bad manager but maybe an apathetic or uncaring man totally yeah you said a few things that are music in my ears the first one of obviously being open to learn anything that potentially provides some value to the company so if you're an engineer or you're a designer and you want to learn marketing hey that marketing may not have a direct impact into you writing code or you designing but maybe again is a second point that that you spoke about with the career matrix of you no know, maybe you want to get into in marketing or maybe you want to shift into that type of role and giving those opportunities to be able to learn that and having access to sitting meetings and do projects and I think that's absolutely fantastic and it really not being like you said on the rails you're you're a developer that's the only thing you're going to learn so that's definitely music to my ears but moving on to the next question I have it's to learn a little bit more about the exact tools that you use to enable your team to learn remotely and secondary if you're able to actually track that learning development uh, remotely and if you are maybe give us some insight into that as well yeah you mentioned linkedin learning we we also use linkedin learning in terms of leadership development i'll give a shout out to this the saas and service we use it's called sounding board and uh, it's at sounding board inc created by actually yeah so, someone we know and uh, they were actually a, a, an early client and they've gone since to raise more funding but it, it's both a marketplace for executive leadership coaches as well as a SaaS platform so we we use that for actually I use it as a CEO and uh, I'm paired up with an executive coach our executives use it we and uh, a few of our executives and as well as managers so we pay for that sounding board really good and of course i think the tools that are more common for asynchronous and we and videos important so we use either like loom for short form recording of like small short form training and then zoom for longer recordings there's no easy way to have that central we talk about having a central repository of recordings almost like an internal youtube or something that hasn't happened yet but we it's just yeah right now it's it's not organized or indexed in any way that's really helpful i think we just put it in confluence that hey there's this thing if you want to learn this there's a video there's confluence we we do a lot of playbooks and documentation process we we document our process in confluence a uh, combination of confluence google slides or spreadsheets yeah not i don't think we have any specific saas for this so we're i would say our our maturity in terms of <laughs> using these tools is pretty uh, pretty immature casual or fluid let's call it that as a leader so you mentioned you do sounding board that is that just for you as the leader or do you have other folks on your team using sounding board oh no no we yeah we use it for everyone what i mentioned is uh, the exec some of the executives we pay for them to to level up they're paired with coaches through sounding board and then some of our managers as well yeah that's very cool could you speak maybe just a, a minute about that i'm curious to hear how it works you you get paired up with a mentor and do they have a specific program a coach yeah a coach yeah so sometimes they'll get input from their manager or what they could be working on for me for example 
we, we did a not only an assessment of me, a self-assessment, but we also did a, a 360 assessment with uh, most of the people in the company of how they saw me and what were my strengths, what were my weaknesses. And with that information of my self-assessment and the assessment of the team, we worked on a program to work on some of my shortcomings, for example. So very similar stuff for our own people. Well, that's, that must have been really it's, uh, hard. It's usually like a week. I think you have to be open, right? You don't know everything, and we don't have the funds to hire necessarily like super really experienced people, right? If compared to maybe Envision, where it had funding and you just bring on really seasoned players, we we develop a lot of our people in house, and then I myself, I know that. I've never had, this is the biggest job I've ever had, and I've never been taught to be a leader and to be a good leader. So I don't, you don't know what you don't know. I think get good instructors to, speaking of my, my martial arts experience, I've always, in that arena, I've always had good coaches. I've sought good coaches, oftentimes had some during my martial arts career, I had several coaches because they had different strengths and weaknesses. So I sought out different coaches. So I'm, I'm not unfamiliar. Like I can appreciate the, the benefit. And in sports, in, in anything, without a coach, without a good teacher, you're not going to progress very far. Why is this any different? Yes, I can self-learn through books. But there's people who have gone through this before, like why, and actually my coach, he has experience working at consulting agencies or digital agencies who've gone, you know, from our size to even much bigger. And he himself has grown, like, for example, a, a, a specific office and, and grown to much bigger than my own company. So it's very relevant experience. I love that point of, as a leader, one of the best things you can do for your own learning and development is get a mentor. Yeah. We all can get better. We all have things to work on, regardless of how far up the chain and how, how long you've been doing it, you could always be doing it better. So I love that point. For me, I think it's, it puts it perfectly as, you know, as a leader, when you're thinking about your upscaling, your own experience, your own learning, one of the first things to look at is bringing on a mentor and someone that can coach you and, and to improve and continuously improving. I, I think that's fantastic. Last question I have is we also touched on a couple ideas earlier on, but something that we spoke about before it's remote learning can obviously be a bit lonely, just sitting there by yourself, maybe watching a LinkedIn learning a you know, video for two or three hours may not be super engaging. So if you have any ideas or things that you do to make remote learning a little bit more collaborative and more engaging for the. Collaborative, I think having the notion of group assignments, engaging for the teams, coming up with things that are, I think people in general have a tendency to, it's like school cafeteria all over again, right? Like you, you sit with the people that you always sit with and stuff like that, and you don't change it. So you. We have a culture of trying to mix it up and shuffle people together, people who might not otherwise be working together. And that way, I think you, you have a stronger, you're fostering more connections within the company as well. Plus, I think you, people develop empathy for the other, more appreciation. Because if you're an engineer and you only work with engineers, you may or may not appreciate the work of, of finance or marketing or design. So we try to do what we can to foster that. So creating group assignments, engaging, I think making projects and learning real where they can apply, especially for example, yeah, this marketing thing, impeccable always needs we're, we're, we don't have a full-time marketer, so we, we're always doing 
we engage uh, a marketing consultant, but we also have lots that need to, they need help with. Uh, they can't just do the work within them by themselves. They need the support of somebody within a, a company. So making that a, a project where they're engaged versus taking a marketing course on, on Linda, which, where one, Impeccable is not also, it's not getting anything out of it as well, other than the time we invest. I think you know, having that marketing artifact is a two hit combo. And I like this notion of getting some utility out of it right away. So making it a, a real world project is helpful. Awesome. Tevi, any last thoughts? Do you want to chime in of any things uh, that you've done to make it uh, more? It's a good question. We, I, I would, I'm not going to, I guess I will. We have a tool, a whiteboarding tool, Freehand at Envision, which is a really nice way to have group participation, whether it's a brainstorming thing or any sort of group activity is, is really fun on on freehand, so we do that a lot in Vision. Other than that, I think there's, we mentioned book clubs before, so I, I was using Friday to try to run this book club. Peck, I don't know if you know about Friday. Friday is a really cool way to structure async meetings. It was, we, we had them on the podcast previously, and you basically create like a questionnaire which can get emailed to you, or it could be also sent to Slack, and people can fill out the questionnaire on their own time you know, at a specific day of the week or something like that. So I tried to do that to structure book club, which didn't work, but it was an attempt. But that's pretty much it. I don't know. How are you? Yeah. Just code was version one. <laughs> it just <laughs> requires a redesign. It's probably iterative. the two things, yeah, things that Ed, I think that I've done across teams or one we'll call it like a hackathon that doesn't have to be a company-wide doesn't have to be a product-wide or it could just be an idea hackathon that you get a number of people together on a certain day a certain time and something similar of that idea of slack time that google had coined many years ago many i think of the time when people have that slack time it's very focused on personal projects but i like opening them up if you wanted to work on something or you want to tinker with something throwing it out there and saying, hey, I have this idea. I would love to prototype this thing or I'm in search for data that I can't find anywhere and have other people who have the opportunity for their own Slack time and say, hey, I'd be happy to help from a design aspect or I'd be happy to you know, be able to pull in a business analyst, be able to pull in and be able to you know, massage the data in the way that you need. So getting that even opportunity in those little side projects say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Is anybody interested in jumping in on a call or doing it once a week for an hour? I think is something else that I've done with teams that has worked pretty Yeah, and to, to your point, we encourage that a lot. One, one story that I have in mind is we as a design agency we have our tools, right? What have you. And then lately there's this surgence of these low code tools, uh, especially in the design community, you have things like Webflow where, oh, that looks interesting. I, I know some really amazing Webflow designers who are, yeah, I would call them wizards at what they do. And then just amazing, able to accomplish what you think is not possible. So that's a certainly a not in our core capabilities. This is something that we like to investigate and may, may not be, we're not always trying to optimize as an agency for the most billable hours you can get out of an employee or a contractor. But when there's opportunities to, especially when the technology or the, the trend could be disruptive, it's very interesting to us to look into this, especially if people are also interested it's a, again, two hit combo where there's interest and it aligns again with what we um, are, are looking and, and exploring. Having those spaces to, and, and opportunities, whether, however you implement it, whether it's the Google 20% time or, we don't have a word for this, but 
we we definitely keep an eye out and if there's interest we ask who's interested in trying to do something like this and we're also developing new capabilities this way as well for example new services or new offerings that we might not otherwise have we might do it internally and learn it internally first before we awesome awesome uh, any last questions anybody oh thanks uh, tevi for calling out the uh, that whiteboard tool i in the back of my mind, I remember seeing the announcement, but I haven't played with it. So the, the fact that you brought it up now brings it to the forefront that we'll check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Pat, for, for joining us today. This uh, is, I guess, the conclusion of our season one, as we try to take uh, maybe a few weeks off to relax and excited to move on for a season two in the fall. But again, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the insights and uh, what you've done for your team, and especially as a leader, how you've grown. And uh, everyone, until next season, have a great day. Yeah, and thank you for having me, Tevi and Scott. Oh, well, thanks, Tevi, for calling out that whiteboard tool. In the back of my mind, I remember seeing the announcement, but I haven't played with it. So the, the fact that you brought it up now kind of brings it to the forefront that we'll check it out. Awesome. Uh, any last questions, anybody? Awesome. So yeah, thank you so much, uh, Pat, for, for joining us today. This uh, is, I guess, the conclusion of our season one, as we try to take uh, maybe a few weeks off to relax, excited to move on for a season two in the fall. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the insights and uh, what you've done for your team, and especially as a leader, how you've grown. Uh, everyone, until next season, have a great day. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm -hmm.